This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome back into Five on Three, WFUV Sports' best, if not only, ice hockey podcast. We're talking all things National Hockey League every week here on these New York radio airwaves. I'm James Burley, joined by Sweet Lou Orlando. We've got Jack Warner, uh, we hope, is joining us later as he's currently ushering in some of the younger folk into uh, into the next generation of WFV Sports. He's finest. a great leader at the station. Yes, and he's got many responsibilities, and that's why he can't be here. But we've got a very fun episode uh, for you guys today. Uh, Jack Warner will be joining us later for what is really going to be the fun part when we talk. Uh, we're doing like a little fantasy draft type thing. I didn't think of a title for it, but... I, I think our best titles happen when they can, we come up with them on the fly. Yes, this so. is true. So we're going to do pick your best uh, starting six all-time hockey players. We're going to go position by position, fantasy draft, snake draft style, and um, we'll see at the end who creates the greatest team of NHL greats. But before that, we're going to talk, uh, of course, locals. We're going to look at things going around through the Metropolitan Division in the National Hockey League. We're going to take a look at... Some of these trades were a week away from the trade deadline. Some things are are happening. Some things are not happening. We're hearing about um, trades left, right, and center, as they say down under. And um, yeah, so we're gonna be we're gonna be to- uh, chopping all that up. But first of all, Lou, how are you on this fine Friday afternoon? Well, I'm always good when I get to spend time with you, James. Oh, so you. I, I I'm just having a blast. I think this is back to back weeks of me on five on three. So I nice, I nice. can't complain at all. And this is. You said it's a fun time to be a it hockey is, fan right is. now. The, the trade deadlines are some of the best times in sports because then there's a little dip after the deadline where you're just waiting for the playoffs. But these these couple of weeks, all the ideas, all the stupid ideas that get thrown out and all the wild rumors, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, and, and blinking, you might miss some of these things. Really haven't seen much pick up yet in terms of trades outside of you know the Elias Lindholm uh a trade uh, a few weeks ago. There's been nothing. It's been probably quiet. The Mon, the Lindholm and Monaghan went down like two days yeah. apart from each other, and ever since then, it's really been like quiet on the Eastern I, Front type stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up being the biggest move. Like each of those, maybe there's one or two heavy hitters moving before the deadline next week. I think next week is going to be obviously much bigger than we've seen lately. But I, I guess we can talk about. Um, the Devils were actually involved in a trade. Dallas Stars, they acquired Chris Tanev and goalie prospect Cole Brady via the New Jersey Devils through the Calgary Flames. <laughs> um, of course, Chris Tanev applying his trade there, and um, the Devils, I guess, retaining 25% of that salary, as well as Calgary retaining some salary. Um, so I, 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 there was, it was a whole cluster of a trade there. And, and I mean, Chris Tanev's a bigger name. So, I mean, yeah, that- I, that's actually it's a pretty big name because it's we've kind of been wondering when is this defensive market going to go? There are a lot of names that get thrown out there, but Calgary was right at the forefront with Tanov and Hannafin of like, all right, when are these guys going to go? And a lot of people this year want right shot defensemen that Tanov, I think, was probably at the forefront of that market, probably the best guy available when you're talking about right shot defensemen. And to me, the package that Calgary gets back. I think Dallas very cleanly wins this trade yeah, to only sure. give up a second rounder for Tanov when, like, we know that the Flyers have been asking for a first for Sean Walker and a couple of the other teams that are shopping defensemen. They've been asking for first round picks. It feels like the market in general this year has been very inflated. 
to see Tanov go for a second makes me wonder if we're going to start to see some of these asking prices go down, especially you have, I think, only a few teams that are trying to sell, but the teams that are trying to sell, to sell they're going to want to get rid of these guys. Yeah. So I wonder if you do see, like, second-rounders start to go. I think that bodes well for a lot of the buyers in this market. And the Stars are absolutely a buyer in this market, being that they lead the Central Division, uh, having overcome the Jets and Avalanche for most of this season. Uh, and, you know, they're building when they're at their best, which is the recipe for success in the National Hockey League. They're weird because, like, I Nick Palmer was talking about them last week, and it, they are such a weird team because maybe you feel differently. I don't know that you fear them, but they are really good. I think it's the fact that they haven't done that well in the playoffs, and that one, the one I think of is the one where Ottinger balled out and they still weren't able to win. And But they're in a weird spot where they are really talented, but I do think the window's closing where it's like you only got so many years of Pavelski, Ben, Sagan before those guys kind of tail off and you have to rebuild around Robertson and Hints and whatnot. Like, this might be one of the best teams they have this decade that, yeah, go all out and buy. They've been, I think, I think they've got a pretty solid blue line. I like right. Heiskanen a lot, but like, Niels Lundqvist was starting in the top six and hey, former Ranger. <laughs> I, I think. A fine player, but like if you want to go out and really make a run at this cup, and I do think that Dallas is talented enough to do it, they're probably better than we give them credit for most of the time. Like that's a move that can really help. I I was I was I was gonna say I don't think of the stars really so much as Pavelski, Ben, and Sagan anymore. As I think it already is Robertson and Hintz's team. I mean Robertson's goal record speaks for itself, right. and then guys like Wyatt Johnston, Matt Duchesne, Ty Delandria, like those guys to me feel like. Really good middle six supplemental pieces to Jason Robertson and Rupa Hintz. I think maybe they're one big star up front away from really being a cup contender. I think they'll 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 do more than they did in the playoffs last year. But I don't I don't I don't know if I would say that I would paint them on the cup just yet. Um, it's been a weird season for Otter. Like he's on my yeah. fantasy team, and it's like it feels like a lot of the good Scott Wedgwood's been a more more than reliable backup. Though. And again, it's like this has been the story. I guess until recently with Igor, but like all, all the big name goalies, like Vasilevsky's having one of his worst years. Sorokin, we've talked about his struggles all year long. Like Ottinger, we probably don't talk as much about because local market, we focus on a lot of the New York teams more. But like Ottinger's not having a great year. But mm-hmm. I still think it's one of those situations where it's like you believe in that guy, you've seen him do it. You made you made a good point. I, I think I you know more about like Pavelski, Ben, and Sagan are still good. Yes. And you don't know how long they're going to be good for. Like this Dallas team is really deep because you have that youth moment, youth movement with Hints and Robertson and Delandria combined with these older veteran presences like Ben and Sagan are still huge guys in that locker room. Pavelski too, like a ton of yeah, postseason of experience. And where Wyatt like, Johnston lives with Joe Pavelski. Like <laughs> this team is really good. Again, we don't talk about the teams in the central and the west as much, but like Dallas, I think, has a legitimate chance to make a cup run, and it's like probably too early to have some of those conversations, but to see them go out and get a Chris Tanov, and at the price that they got him for, like I think that's a perfect fit for them. Yeah, and I mean, you'll find no arguments from any Dallas Stars fans either, and I mean, I didn't expect us to spend that much time going into the Dallas Stars analysis, but I think that was, it's it's been necessary. Mm-hmm. We don't get mm-hmm. to talk about the Central uh, or just the Western Conference enough and at all. But let me ask you this, because this is, I think, the weirdest part of the trade is the Devils <laughs> well, yeah. kind of helping out with this trade and taking twenty five percent. Right? It's 
it's something we see a lot now with the 75% retained trades. The Rangers did it last year. What's weird to me is that I feel like you don't see a lot of buyers do this. And to me, maybe this is a sign that New Jersey's not going to go all out at the deadline this year. Because I feel like if they were, and obviously they still can, they have a lot of cap space. But the fact that they're helping out and just taking 25% salary cap hit to get a fourth rounder back, to me that raises my eyes of like, oh, you don't see teams that go all out and buy the deadline usually do that. Especially because the player in question was one that they could certainly use. They were in they were in conversations with like like they were tied to Hannafin and Tanev certainly in rumors. and and Markstrom. It's not like right. those they they haven't been talking to the same people, uh, albeit about different players, but the same organization in the Calgary Flames. Um, for three seconds there, Chris Tanev was a New Jersey Devil, and how special I was, was that? I I <laughs> thought that that would that if it had been any longer, that would have been good, but it wasn't much longer. <laughs> And, you know, it is what it is. With that being said, though, um, there is still time for the Devils to make moves, but they've been in the same boat this whole season. And I think the patterns have developed longer than just coincidences. This team is not ready to be a playoff team in the NHL uh, at this moment. And if you wanted to make a change to bolster a team that should already be talented enough to be in the playoffs, I think you would have done it in the past month or so. So the fact that it hasn't been done yet makes me think to your line of thinking, Lou, and that, you know, maybe New Jersey won't go all in on the deadline. But before we talk a little bit more about each of the local teams, let's talk about the Philadelphia Flyers because I know you wanted to break this one down, and I think it's very important because of the position they sit in relative to our New Jersey Devils and New York Islanders. Uh, yeah, I think the Flyers are going to have a sneaky, huge impact on what happens at the deadline. They Their season's been so weird. They came in with minimal expectations. It's the second year under Tortorella. And basically all season long, they've been third place in the Metro, which is crazy when you look at their roster. Like On paper, they're nowhere close, it feels like, to any of the other top three teams in any conference. But they've stayed the pace. They've continued to be third place in the Metro, despite the fact that, I mean... It's been a weird season for them between injuries like Carter Hart, no longer with the team Mm -hmm. for obvious reasons with the Hockey Canada thing. Like, so they lost their starting goaltender. They've been without Ristolein, and now Jamie Drysdale goes down. And that's our, you got Jamie Drysdale because your top prospect asked to be traded. So it's just been a wild year for Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) It's really been a lot of crazy stuff that's happened. Drysdale with the shoulder injury, right? That's something that he's had to deal with before. I think, was it last year that that? That got him in Anaheim. Maybe. Sh- that sounds recent. He's definitely had recent injuries with the shoulder that makes me think <laughs> that this, uh, they're calling it a week-to-week thing. I kind of worry about how ma- how much lingering effects this is going to have. And where I fall with the Flyers, and I'm kind of curious to see with you, is that I think there was a world where if they had stayed healthy the way that they had been playing they could have quietly been buyers, like light buyers. I don't think, you know, you don't trade a ton of draft capital or prospects, but if there's a move that you could have made, I could have seen the Flyers do it because you've been so you've been so good, and I think postseason experience would benefit them. I'm still there where it's like the Flyers should not tank at this point, but where I'm at with the Flyers is if you have deals that you can make, whether that's for Sean Walker, whether that's for Steeler, like uh, for, for Nick Sealer, mm-hmm. Scott Lawton has been talked about for, it feels like, the last couple of years. I know he's got term in his contract, but that's term that they're trying to move. 
if those deals appear at your doorstep, I would do it. And it probably hurts your ability to stay in the top three of the Metro, but as much as postseason experience would help this team right now, what they've already done has helped them plenty. That don't say no to value that's going to help you three, four years down the line. I don't know. Unless you're going to, you plan on re-signing Sean Walker or Steeler. Like, if, you're, if you want to re-sign either of them, then keep them and try and make a run. But if you're not planning on re-signing them, you have to be okay with trading them. That's my take. I think that's a valuable, you know, way to look at things for now. But with Travis Konechny out and you're now new star defenseman Jamie Drysdale out, there's a chance that Jamie Drysdale goes to the cap, but it has to happen in seven days. And if that does happen, there is a chance that they actually have money to spend without sending someone the other way. As it stands, I just looked it up, cap friendly. They don't have that opportunity. They only have about a million dollars. I think now more than ever it puts them in a position to be able to buy at the deadline. And I think that if they don't, they have a serious, serious chance of falling out of third place. Travis Konechny is just day-to-day as it, as for now. Jamie Drysdale, because he's, he's dealt with the same injury prior, you think it could be more serious. You don't have him for the final three of the, your last seven weeks of the season. That's pretty significant, especially with 20 games to go. And you know what? Even... Even if he was, even if he was healthy, I still think you could make a case for trading Walker or Sealer because mm-hmm. your buy year, your your win year, your win window, it's not this year. It's awesome if you can make the playoffs. I still think they should try because you get early postseason experience that benefits this young core, and it's that's what Tortorella is yeah. all about. He's transformed this team already, so to get postseason experience would be valuable. I, you know, just. You know, Sean Walker has played really well this year, and I think he would be highly sought after by, especially by this market, especially with Tanov gone. I think there's a market for Sealer mm-hmm. too. That I just keep going back to, like, all right, if you kept these pieces and you try and stay in third place in the Metro, you probably could. I think if the Flyers just stay pat, I think they I stay think, in third I, in the Metro. I think I think they've done enough to prove that. Yeah, which is you know. Cool, Which we, we didn't think for the longest time. And maybe, maybe the Drysdale injury affects that, but I, I still think they could probably slide into third place. But I mean, awesome. they, were, they were in third without him for most of the right. season, so, too. So awesome, right? You, you stay in third place. I don't know. You get bounced in the first round. Maybe you make it to the second. Again, that experience is valuable. It's, I think, comparing do you value the postseason experience of a run that's probably going to fall short or do you want to set yourself down the line three, four years from now when we've heard John Tortorella answer honestly that their win window or when they're going to start being a real contender is two to three years from now? When you have your head coach saying that, that makes me think that Danny Briere in this front office is kind of in lockstep with that. I, I think I think those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive, too. I think they can bring someone in, you know, even if it's just a rental, someone who's been around the block before. Because even though this team is young, their best players are around, you know— 26 age on average I would say but there's no playoff experience there and that's that's not that's young compared to the rest of the NHL but in terms of teams we consider young NHL teams it's not the youngest so this is a team that is really you know it's about to pass the threshold of being impressionable by certain leaders who have been around in the playoffs before I think that would be valuable even if it's just a rental like I said for the next three, four years for this team. I don't think they're going to do much in the playoffs this year, but I'm right there in that camp with you. I think they've got third place uh, 
pretty locked up. I know five points, and the Devils have a game in hand to to catch up. The Islanders are right on the Devils' heels, like so. It's possible for them to slip up, but like they've been too consistent this year for to convince me that they won't. Yeah, I keep I keep going back and forth on it because they've already surprised so many people in this hockey media landscape with what they've done that. If you stayed pat, who knows? Maybe they do. Maybe they do go on a run, or even not. Again, the postseason experience is so valuable. Either way, whichever, whatever way they go at this deadline, is going to really impact the Islanders and the Devils. Mm-hmm. Because you know, there's a world where I'm kind of leaning towards. I don't think the Devils have a big deadline, but there's a world where if the Flyers do sell Walker and Sealer, and the Caps sell on Dowd and Monta and some of their guys that you sit there on March 8th and you kick yourself that all these Metro teams just got worse and you had a chance now that that third spot may be open mm-hmm. and you didn't do anything to get massively better. Well, I think, I like I said, I still think the, the, the devil's line to, to make a big purchase has probably passed, so I think it's possible that they're going to be kicking themselves come March 8th. I think the Islanders aren't in as a position to buy like New Jersey is, but could also be in the same camp come the end of next week um let's talk about what do you want to talk about first which team we talked about the devils so i think let's keep let's stay with the let's devils. stay with jersey like we've been, we've we've kind of had some conversation All about right. them already well i mean after what was a pretty terrible past week uh, i don't know if we've we you and i have talked about the the rangers beat down of the devils at the rock last thursday Eesh. that i'm very okay. glad i I weeks in advance. I have classes Thursday night, but I was thinking, yeah, it's Devils Rangers. I could get an excused absence for covering. I knew weeks in advance that this game was going to go the way that it did, so I'm happy to have handed off the the reins to Chris Carino to go enjoy that game. His New York Rangers won, and he he had a great time. He went to the Rangers locker room after the game too, as as he should. Uh, I was at the game the following Saturday where the Devils did play against the Montreal Canadiens to a four three victory. And it was one of the like most boring first periods I've ever seen. It was a not a good hockey game. It was the Devils won because they played a bad team. It's it's just simply what happened, um, and that was kind of the sentiment around the locker room. Timo Meyer was very clear. It wasn't a good hockey game, but it's kind of good that we put it together. And and I guess that was exciting because you know that was something the Devils were doing last year. They didn't have their best stuff, but just kind of got goals right when they needed them. And that's what last Saturday felt like. Uh, then on then on Sunday, you know, back to backs have been their kryptonite all year, and they got absolutely thumped by Tampa. Um, but they they did make it up against the San Jose Sharks. But there's a big caveat on that game, not only because it's the Sharks, but they were shut out in the first period by former Devils goalie Mackenzie Blackwood, who in the most Mackenzie Blackwood fashion of all time left the game early with an injury, and then poor cold ice cold Capo Kakinen comes in. And gives up three goals in two minutes. The Devils win 7-2 over San Jose. And that game really should have been 5 nothing. But, you know, they haven't looked good. And I've, I've come to the conclusion now, and I've came to this conclusion long ago, but I haven't been on the podcast for a chance to say this. I don't think the New Jersey Devils deserve to be in the playoffs this year. Um, I think that they're a below-average team relative to the National Hockey League. And a lot of that is because of the way that this roster is set up. Losing a guy like Dougie Hamilton in the season is 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 super bad because of like he's a superstar he absolutely is but the defense on a on a total level collectively has been atrocious and having Dougie Hamilton is not going to reinforce your your blue line it's going to bring you another offensive threat in the blue line it's like playing with four forwards so when people 
try to chalk up this year to injuries for the Devils, and 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 head coach Lindy Ruff has done a bit of this. I I don't see that as fair. I think that this roster uh, was naively built before this season not to succeed. Actually, I I know Tom Fitzgerald, the GM of the Devils, gets a lot of praise for you know putting trust in this young core, but with a, without it. Vitek Vanacek, I was singing his praises last year, but they came into the season without a, a, a true uh, full-time starting goaltender. Vitek Vanacek can't be more than an A1, AB guy. That that much is, 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 is true now. They didn't come in with enough of a, of a uh, spine at the blue line. Damon Severson left, Ryan Graves left, both on putrid contracts where they are now, and that much is true, but the Devils were not prepared uh, on the go to, to just confide in their young defenseman and Luke Hughes is a remarkable talent but he's just not ready to play the minutes that he is playing on the blue line for a National Hockey League team yet and then I look into the forwards and this is where I really don't say that it's been the roster creation that has been what's failed here I think Lindy Ruff has really failed to in, in misusing some guys yes Jack Hughes was injured for part of the season but he's still your leading scorer so I think that says a lot about him as as a remarkable talent um, but the fact that Timo Meyer has been so disappointing. He's played through some injury, but he's constantly been put on his least favorite wing, playing on the third line, getting few minutes with the power play. Guys like Alex Holtz, who lead the Devils in five-on-five scoring still, buried on the fourth line for most of this year, and I, I'm not sure why. I know Lindy Ruff wants to challenge the younger guys to you know, make them more complete players, and Alex Holtz is far from being a 200-foot hockey player. That much is true as well. But I am losing faith in Lindy Ruff as a head coach, and I know he's not going anywhere because he was extended in in the fall of this season. So I, I, I'm I'm looking at the Devils' schedule coming up, and I'm thinking it's a lot of losses, mm-hmm. and they're not going to be able to make up the ground that they lost earlier this season. And I I don't know if Lindy Ruff isn't going anywhere because Emily Kaplan went on Blue Shirts Breakaway, which is a Rangers podcast mm-hmm. that I listen to, and from her connections around the league, she's starting to hear rumblings that. Come this offseason, people don't think that Lindy Ruff is a good fit for the Devils, and that that might, there might that might come to an end at this offseason. And that's kind of where my head's at. I don't think he'll get fired mid-year, but I think there's a very good chance that unless things change dramatically the last two months of the year, I think Lindy Ruff's out because you don't have time to mess around with this Devils team and waste another year, right? Like this already, I think you could already yeah, you make case go. that this year has been. Wasted, and as much as I do believe that this year has this team has a future that could be seven, eight years long of really good hockey, you know, you have to start, you have to start that future as soon as possible. I think we're going to go back when we look at this season because there are going to be a lot of Devils fans that I think are going to be unhappy come the come the deadline because I don't think they're going to trade for Markstrom, I don't think no. they're going to trade for Saros, I don't think they're going to trade for Hannafin, and so they're not going to get a big name, and I think they're going to be a lot of de- lot of Devil fans that are upset. I think a lot of the upsetness should probably come trace back to the offseason because I don't think that Tom Fitzgerald did a good enough job with this team. I kind of agree that like you probably shouldn't you don't need to give overpay for Severson or overpay for Graves. They got big contracts that uh, that would have been tough for the Devils I mean, to get. I mean, had them. you known that Dougie Hamilton was going to be out for most right. of the year, maybe you, you do. And and you didn't. I I kind of fall more on if you're losing those two big pieces pieces on the blue line, which we went into the season knowing that that was going to be a big that was going to be a learning curve. We didn't think it was going to be as big of a, a learning curve. You either had to go out and get a starting goaltender 
or get more defensive depth. I mean, the Rangers gave Eric Gustafson a league minimum contract, and I'm not going to say that Eric Gustafson's been like mm-hmm. an all-star or anything, but he's played solid third-line defense that the Devils, frankly, aren't getting right now. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying you put Eric Gustafson in the third line of the Devils that he's changing all their problems, but I'm, the point's more that, like, there were defensive depth guys that you could have gotten to put yourself in a better spot. It's been up and la- up and down this blue line. That's kind of where I like I fall with this deadline is like the reason I don't think the Devils should make any moves is that they have too many issues that mm-hmm. like a Markstrom Hannafin trade is not going to solve what's going wrong with the Devils right now. Yeah. And- Even though that it would help, it's not going to fix all their problems. Because it is everything. I think you can attribute some stuff to injuries. Listen, the loss of Dougie Hamilton for more than half the year, that's a huge loss. Jack Hughes facing injuries. Timo Meyer playing through stuff. Those are all big losses. But this team was struggling before the injuries. Yes. I think that's the point you made. The defense was bad before Hamilton went out. Mm-hmm. The goaltending was bad before everyone the got injured. Started. So the season started off on a bad foot, and it's only gotten worse because of the injuries. But it's not like this team was playing great hockey out the gate, so it's just this has been a season from hell. I like uh, Greg Kaplan said on the show. He's like, I know a season from hell when I see it. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. We come on this every week and we talk about where the devil's going to get right. I've seen enough Yankees baseball last year to know that sometimes you just don't turn it around. Yeah, and I'll, I'll leave it at this with New Jersey. Last year, this team was was known for its ability to skate up and down the ice, and when they have good games this season, that's what they look like. But there's, the, those games have been few and far between for the Devils this year. They skated really well against the Sharks, but that's the San Jose Sharks, mm-hmm. okay? That, that's going to happen if you just show up and drop the puck. Uh, the Devils have not been able to skate because they've been caught in their own zone too much. They haven't been able to take control of the neutral zone, which is something that they were fantastic at doing last season. They played the best transition hockey in the National, in the, in the National Hockey League. Um, and a part of that reason is because teams have figured out to beat them up early and to clog up the neutral zone physically. They people out physical the Devils in every single hockey game. The Devils are a soft team. A guy like Chris Tanev absolutely would change up this team. There is outside of Nathan Bastion, there is no physical presence on this team. I mean Kevin Ball is is a behemoth of a man, but he doesn't throw the weight around as much as he should. And I think we saw that uh clear as day against the Rangers last Thursday, uh where Rempe not only uh, absolutely destroyed Nate Bastion with what was a dirty hit, yep. but then Bastion tried to stay in the game and Truba took him out, and it was just they just playing with a little rag doll and messing around with the Devils like that, and they absolutely deserved to uh, be punished in that way. Let so me, let me ask you this real quick because we keep wrapping in the deadline with this: mm-hmm. Can the Devils influence what Fitzgerald does with their play the next week? Because you have the Kings and the Panthers coming up. In my mind. No, no, because you've already seen enough to say, uh, you know, a, a win against the Panthers and a win against the Kings should not shift. Like, okay, we're going to buy now. Is there any world where that happens? Like, they win their next three games? Well, I say no because the the closest they can get to the wild card in their next three games is you know getting level with it because they have games in hand on the Lightning, and the closest they can get to third place is maybe within a point if the Flyers lose all their games. So I don't think there's enough time to convince Tom Fitzgerald that this team's a winner, um, team's a group of winners, before the deadline because, you know, they haven't done that enough this season. They've dug themselves uh, too big of a hole. So we've done the Devils. Where do you want to go next? Let's go Isles. Let's go. 
it's a similar spot with a different tone, but similar spot. It is a different tone because they've won their last two against, you know, good teams, really. Last night was big. I watched that Yeah, against not only did they beat the Stars in OT on on the road on Monday night, or now they're on the road uh, at at Little Caesars Arena, and they beat the Red Wings, who are in contention for this this wild card, uh, which, you know, the Islanders are in the exact same spot as the Devils. 59 games played, 64 points, but with that... Uh, pretty atrocious uh, 14 OT losses. The Devils are ahead on regulation overtime wins, um, as they should be. But the fact of the matter remains, what do they have to do to catch up to the Flyers, to catch up to the Lightning in the second wildcard spot? Oh, that, so that's so tough because what's what really stinks about the Islanders is I'm not sure how many moves they can make. They don't have really any assets to ship besides maybe draft picks because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, their farm system is awful, and you're not <laughs> going to trade Maggio or, I mean, what's the, the Russian guy, Rustov? Like, yeah. you you need those guys. Those guys are going to have to come. I think Alan Fearing, when he when he talked to us for a little bit off the air, was kind of talking to us about, and, and Nick Palmer, about, like, he expects to see those guys up the NHL in two years. You need those guys to be, like, good pieces on this team, especially with the way this team is, I think, trending long-term. So I'm not sure how many moves you can make just because, again, the market prices, unless they go down, everything's been so steep that any impact player anywhere I think is probably going to cost you a first or a second rounder, and is Lou Lamorello going to want to give that up? What I will say, at least for the Islanders' favor, is I see a spark in them right now. Yes. Like Nick Palmer said this to Jack Warner, I think yesterday, the, he said the Wings-Islanders game last night, he's like, biggest game of the season so far. Mm-hmm. Need it, need a win. And they got a win. They stepped up. That was a tough win. Detroit came back a couple times, and Detroit's been grooving lately. So that's a big-time win by the Islanders. And then to beat Dallas a few days ago, too. Like the Islanders have the jump that I thought the Devils might have after that stadium series win, mm-hmm. where like the stadium series loss to the Islanders could have been such a gut punch. And it's not like they've gone a five-game heater since then, but they've had a few tough wins that go, I-, I can't rule out this team just yet. I don't know if they have enough to jump Philly, because I do think that's what it's going to take. I don't really see... It'll Tampa be close, but I don't, I don't see Tampa or Detroit dropping out right now. That you know it's going to take jumping Philly. But if anyone from the Metro can do it right now, I think it's the Islanders. I don't have a ton of confidence in it, but I at least see a little bit of a spark that goes, all right, if I could buy, if there is somewhere to, someone to get at the right price, I would do it because I, I do have enough faith in this yeah. team. And I'll tell you what, there's a different attitude about this team than the Devils. They are in the exact same boat right now, but when the Islanders have an inspiring win, like that, you have a feeling that it's going to carry over into their next performance. The Devils just haven't had that, you know, where it's been like they put together one win, but you know they're going to give up the first goal in the next game. The Islanders have cultivated an attitude, uh, and I know Barry Trotz is largely responsible for this. He's not there anymore, but this sort of gritty win-always attitude, dig-in, fight style of hockey that is always going to carry over for this club. And I I think that's absolutely an awesome thing to have. It's something that the fans will always be able to get behind. And this is a pretty sick group of players, not in the sense that it's the most talented roster in the National Hockey League because it's far from that, Um, but they have a pretty good top end and they've got depth throughout with every player's role so clearly defined. I think that they're going to make the playoffs. I I believe in Patrick Waugh. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for his 
philosophy to really take shape and mold this team. But I, I said it before on there, I think that was the right move, letting go of Lambert and going with a guy like Patrick Waugh, going for a significant culture change. Uh, you know, maybe it's... We, we keep hearing that Nashville wants to sell, San Jose wants to sell. Like, maybe they're in the market for, like, Tommy Novak or something like that. Like, I don't maybe a, a, a smallerish move that still makes them better. I could see them acquire more of a role player. Um, I'm not sure how active they're going to be in, uh, at the deadline. I don't think it's going to be crazy active. I think I think the the Predators are such an interesting one because they already they're have like they're they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, and they but they already have like 10 percent of their cap spend is on salary retention already. Like, they're already a team that, like, kind of phoned it in, and now they're going to make the playoffs under Andrew Burnett. So that's and, – and Barry Trotz, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, those are two pretty pretty brilliant hockey minds. Um, Andrew Burnett's first season outside of New Jersey, and they start performing a lot, lot worse. I've seen a lot of stuff online about letting go of Burnett and it being a big mistake for Jersey. And I know, you know, you weren't going to fire Lindy Ruff no. after last year, but – it, maybe this is you know hindsight twenty twenty and playing Monday Monday quarterback, but it certainly seems like Andrew Burnett was a big part of the Devils' success last year. Maybe so. I mean, we, we don't know. We're not yeah. behind closed doors, but I think that, that that's an interesting thing about the Nashville Predators that they've been able to be good in a tough division, really, where a lot of teams look like they were going to take jumps. The Coyotes look like they were primed for a jump. They've lost fourteen in a row. Um, we thought the Wild were going to take a jump. They've been kind of trash and. Meanwhile, the the Predators have you know stuck in with the old guard of the Central Division into the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Jets have uh, taken the massive jump that no one saw coming. Um, I also want to give a shout out to the Detroit Red Wings real quick because it's going to be a lot of fun having that team and that city back in the playoffs again. That's a real hockey city. It's original six that we've kind of have glossed over being as terrible as they've been in the Atlantic Division the past what seven eight years. It's a shame that Jack's not here for this right now because I think Jack, as someone that lived in Detroit for a few years, could oh, definitely nice. spe- could definitely speak on how cool that city is. And I Jack, didn't know he lived in Detroit. Yeah, and Jack would be the first person to tell you like he's not always been the biggest hockey fan, but even when he was there, like he loved going to Red Wings games mm-hmm. and like you know the I think he, I forget whether or not he had ever gone to the old the old at arena the, before the, the Caesars. Yeah, I forget. I think he says he has been, but like again, Detroit is they've got so many cool hockey traditions. I someone throw did squid on the someone on the did ice. throw an octopus on 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 the ice the other day and it. got escorted out, which is an old school tradition that they don't let them do anymore. Oh, so that's just a shout out but, to Detroit and Patty Kane is yeah, and he's is legit. And he's kind of accepted like he's in a mentorship role now and not so much. Um, the flashy main guy, although he has been producing points uh, to uh, a considerable degree. I mean, not the Patty Kane of of yesteryear, but still, he's, he's uh, showing some flashes. It definitely like that hip surgery went well. <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. He's moving really well, uh, actually. If there's one thing, I really like what I'm seeing from Detroit, and I, I, I would go as far as to say they're a lock to make the playoffs. A lock, a lock is strong. A lock but is I, strong. I have a lot of faith in that team, yeah, and I think they've. That first, the Debrinket has been really good. That first line has been, you know, they really flew out of the gates really strong, and they've been great um, throughout most of the season. So I'm going to give a lot of credit there, and they've 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 earned it. Uh, Dylan Larkin is also, I mean, one of the more underrated captains in the NHL, I would say. Um, so let's let's finish up the locals. Let's talk about your New York Rangers, Lou. Let's do it. Um, when was the last game you were at? For fresh my memory. 
Ooh, that's a good question. Um, why am I forgetting that as well? Um, it was a win. Let me check their was schedule. Was it the Stars, maybe? Because they've been on the road for quite a bit this month. Yeah, that's... Well, I got... It wasn't the Stadium Series, was it? No. Could it have been? Um, Low-key, was it the Stadium? I don't I don't think I've been back to MSG since the Stadium Series. Oh, game. wow. Well, well, that was a fun one. It was. And regardless, let's... um. Let's take a look at this month of February for the New York Rangers. The, their 11-game heater did end at 11 um, to the Columbus Blue Jackets, which eh, you know, back sounds, to back and Columbus sounds has bad, but it was, it was weird. It was back-to-back, both games on the road. So, I mean, that's that's a tough one. to, to uh, that That's usually where your winning streak ends because you're already exhausted, and then playing a back-to-back is as exhausting as it gets. So talk me through this month of February for the Rangers. You know, coming out of the new year, people were really worried about this team. They've slipped. The Carolina Hurricanes are going to take over. It's going to be their division once again. And February just completely turned the tide for the Rangers. So what what's going right over there, man? Well, it all it all goes back to Connor Mackey fighting Brady Kachuk right before All-Star <laughs> break. That's really what saved the season and started the win streak. Uh, well, I think first things for, first is... They got Igor Shosturkin right. I have this right in front of me because Igor Shosturkin was named the third star of the month for the Rangers in February. Seven games played, 7 0 0, a 172 goals average allowed, and a 953 save percentage. Mm. Guy balled out in net. And so yeah. you get Igor back, and Igor looking like himself. He's playing confident. He's playing the puck out of the net. That's why he let up a goal in the last game, but that's okay. That's to get an assist against the Devils. He's being confident. And I. I really think, you know, maybe sometimes we chalk too much up to, oh, players need rest, but maybe they did need rest because they've come out of the All-Star break and they've looked a lot sharper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Igor playing great in net is a huge piece of that. Um, I think the flow of the new third line, which until the last game against Columbus where they put Kako in the first line, but for the most part it's been... Kako, Brodzinski, Cooley. Brodzinski really finding a groove. Kako finding a home in that third line for the most part has given the Rangers another point of offense besides that second line. What's quietly, I think, gone on the radar is even as they've played this well, like that top line still not producing at 5-on-5. Five five. The Mika Kreider line continues to struggle. Are you worried about that? I'm more worried about Mika than I've ever been before. I think he's going to get right, but it's the longest stretch of Mika just looking meh mm. than he ever has. Like Nick likes to joke with me that he's a power play merchant, and he's like kind of wrong, kind of right. Like Mika's a very talented hockey player. To call him just a power play merchant I think is insulting. He's one of the best two-way centers in the league. Right, but he has always gotten almost half of his offense, if not more than that, from the power play. He's not. He's never been a great 5-on-5 five five offensive producer. This year, I've noticed it more than ever. Mm-hmm. Mika just disappearing in games and not driving the play we normally see it. It's kind of led a lot of Ranger fans to call for getting a right winger, whether it's Vetrano, who we know Mika's played with before. Everyone wants Buchnevich, which I don't think is going to happen, and the asking price would be huge, but that's been the best pairing for Mika. Um, whether it's Anthony Duclair, whether it's an Anthony Monta, whatever. Is it right only name. former Rangers to choose from? Pretty much. Well, that's <laughs> if you if you listen to Rangers Twitter, pretty much, yeah. dude. Um, I kind of like Anthony Monta. I wouldn't hate that at all. Yeah, well, but there you go. That's I, a different I, I flavor also do there. like Duclair. Um, I, it's I'm not. I am 
I guess I am kind of worried about Mika because I do think back to the playoff series that's, last year. That's what I'm going to say. And like, he didn't play well, and I think that's a big reason why they lost. Well, uh, Artemi well, Panarin also did not play well that series, right. and there's pretty much hey, no... Jack. Hello, guys. Well, let me finish the sentence before you butt in, dude. I'm kidding. My fault. Oh, th- hold on a second. He's the one that spoke first. Fault. I'm kidding, man. I'm so excited. Kidding, I didn't want to say anything because I wanted him to get his headset on, and now that his headset's on, Jack Warner is in studio, ladies and gentlemen. Jack, how are we doing? What an entrance. I didn't get any, but like, I didn't even get any, like, John Cena music. I didn't get any, like, sound effects. Yeah, there we go. There we go. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm finally here and not on time, but. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, we were, we were talking about Detroit, like, five minutes ago and how awesome it would be for the Red Wings to make the playoffs. No, you live there. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it would be really fun to see the Red Wings uh, make a the playoff run this year because. You know how one of the big things, I mean, I've seen it at least on social media before, majority Instagram, but I've seen it on Twitter a couple of times, is that like Chicago is such a hockey city and such a sports city that like even when the Blackhawks are as bad as they are this year, the, the place is still sold out. That's how Detroit's been the whole time, except for maybe the Pistons and the Tigers. Like the Lions, you know, the, the Tigers, you know, any, ba- you know, you'll see a Yankee game that's empty sometimes, but, um, you know, the Red Wings fandom has always shown out and especially. I'll I'll just give I'll make this as quick as possible. They were in the Joe Louis Arena, very famous arena. Did you ever Detroit. get to go to the Joe? I never got to go to okay, the Joe. So we were I wasn't debating. Sure, that. we were debating whether or not. So I never got to go to the Joe, but I did get to go to LCA, Little Caesars Arena, which is where the Pistons mm-hmm. and the Red Wings share now. And the whole goal was uh, to kind of clean the city up a little bit and establish an entertainment district down there. I lived about ten minutes away from the Pistons Arena, Palace of Auburn the Hills, Palace. He- Malice at the Palace, mm-hmm. one of the you know infamous moment in that arena's history, but. They move everyone down to the city, so it's really just this main drag with all of the Detroit sports teams on it, and it's become, they've cultivated such a, because Detroit's already a city rich with sports history, but they've cultivated such a fun culture in downtown Detroit, and the the hockey fandom especially has been a really big driving force in that. The Red Wings fandom is probably, behind the Lions, the most passionate fan base in that city. Um, So I think between that, between, you know, some of the success, a lot of success that they saw in the late 90s, early 2000s, into the, you know, early 2010s, it would be really nice to see them, you know, be a legitimate force again. So I'm I'm hoping to see them make a, uh, I'm hoping to see them make a wild card run at the worst, maybe even sneak into a playoff spot, but, you know, the Eastern Conference. To make the playoffs. Yeah, there's such a, you know, the Eastern Conference is mm-hmm. such a bloodbath that I don't want to be overzealous. So we'll, I'll say, I'll say wild card at the worst. Maybe, maybe they sneak into a, a, a full on playoff spot, but we'll see. And then we were just talking about. Yeah, sorry. The, no, no, I rudely no, interrupted. no, no, no. About the New York <laughs> Rangers. Yes. And how good they've been in the month of February versus Absolutely. how people thought they were going into the All Star break. Mm-hmm. And you've been at Madison Square Garden. Most I don't know recently. what most recent. You've been more recently than he's were you at the Stars he's been game? To the last two games. I, I would say I've been to the, I've been to a couple of big ones. I was at, at the, I was at Stars. I was at Jabs. I was at Lightning, and I was at Jackets. Okay, so what have you seen from these Rangers and their and their uh, stellar play of late? The the biggest change that I've seen because I don't even think they're really lighting the scoreboard on fire. You know, on a nightly basis, it's right. been the defensive play. It's been really close and, scores. And too. most importantly, first of all, I think it's. I don't think enough people talked about the fact that they play in a in a three or four game span. They face off with the Avalanche and the Stars, two of the best teams in the Western Conference. And what they gave up two goals to each, or no, they gave up one to Colorado and two to Dallas. Um, and I, I think that's what it was. They I know beat one Dallas three one. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, they gave up one to Dallas and one to yeah. Colorado. Yeah. So the defensive play has been phenomenal. Um, 
you know, in the month of February, which I actually asked Laviolette about after, I want to say after the Tampa game. And he, that's the main thing that he sounded off on was just the defensive play has been so much better that they're, they're giving themselves chances on both ends of the ice just because of the defensive play on one end of the ice. And the other thing is, you know, the, the Rangers are seeing a lot of shots lately. I think this one of been one of the talking points was Igor had a, had a 41 save night a couple games ago. Um, but they're also forcing a lot of bad chances. Like just because they, they count as shots does not mean that these were high danger chances, you know, right from the slot. Like they have been forcing teams to make a lot of bad shots, which I think one just takes a lot of pressure, um, off of whoever's, you know, between the pipes. And, you know, I think as long as they can, they can continue to do that. I think you're, you're, you basically, I think the biggest problem during January was that you were having concerns on both ends of the ice. Cause I know I walked in the, walked in here as soon as you guys were talking about, you know, not enough, you know, uh, production at five on five from that top line, especially Mika's advantage ad. Um, but if I think the biggest problem in January was you were having problems on both ends of the ice, the defensive play was not helping either goalie when they were in net. Um, and then you were also seeing them not score, you know, in volume. So I think now that the focus is back to just, you know, producing better at five on five and there's a more, there's more defensive stability. I, I think, you know, you're already seeing it pay off for them. They had an amazing month of February, and they're they're a real threat now. I think the rush defense has quietly gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was a big topic of conversation. Honestly, all year long, like, they've been bad against the rush all year, and I think quietly it's starting to get a lot better. The low the low quality shots, low pressure shots that Jack mentioned, like that's a big thing. Igor is probably facing close to forty shots a night, but most of them are in high danger. And I think that's a recipe for success. I mean, he's a durable goaltender too. He's carried pretty heavy loads for the majority of his career playing 60 games a season more or less probably more actually Uh, I'd have to check the numbers individually per season but I mean I think the Rangers are more prime than ever for a playoff push coming into this but I know Jake Paul is fighting tomorrow but I think the real tail of the tape is going down in Toronto Uh, we've got Reeves and Rempe Mm. up against each other I mean there's never been a higher guarantee of a fight happening in a hockey game, I don't think. And I, can't I mean, it could spell disaster for the the young uh, heavyweight. I mean, Warner, like this guy's a killer. Like I I love having him in the league now, but he didn't. But Reeves is no joke. Though. Ryan Reeves, Reeves is Ryan Reeves is no joke. Yeah. And I mean, he he's got a little shiner from from the game against the Flyers yeah. uh, last Saturday. I get why it's fun. I get why the fan base loves him. I love him. I think the spark is awesome. Um, and it was actually funny. I keep citing back to my own experiences at the Garden. During uh, just just the other night against Columbus, every time Matt Rempe either got the puck or was on the Jumbotron in any capacity, that place was ape, ape bleep. I almost let it slip. Um, they... Uh, they, you know, the, the fans are already loving just the, the physical connotation that surrounds him. He's already, I've never seen, like, I don't think I've ever seen an NHL player or really a pro athlete for that matter, like, def, like build a definite character so quickly. Like, I don't even think Linsanity happened that quickly. Hmm. And there was, like, everyone remembers where they were for the Linsanity game. But yeah. I feel like even Rempe has, has developed that sort of character for himself really quickly. The only thing that I will say is the only thing that's going to start to get a little bit old is if, like, all these fights start as, like, 
a agreement at the midline like hey want to get them off tonight like I think that's gonna eventually get really old because then it's just gonna I feel like it's just gonna incentivize the next guy because I understand the nature of hockey it's a dangerous sport but like there will be a certain point in which if he continues to get his head beaten where like health becomes a a genuine factor in this and if you know it's one thing you know even some of the guys in the league now who are known for being enforcers you look at a pat maroon like i'm sure pat maroon has has initiated fights with people in the same way that has happened to rempe where there's a meeting at the at the midline during warm-ups and something happens but for the majority once these guys get into the league and, and kind of get settled a lot of it happens on the ice it's the physical play that gets you there it's it's the late hit on the boards that gets you there not every single game we have a waiting list of people trying to fight Matt Rempe. So mm-hmm. I just think if that is what continues to be the source of his fights, it's going to get old fast. The Matt Martin fight was awesome. And the story around it, Martin offering it to him on his first shift and then complimenting him in the penalty box, like, that was so cool. But Jack's right. Like, it is it is getting old quick because I remember we were watching the first Columbus game and he drops it with Olivier and we all, like, groaned. And got his brains beat like, in. But even, but like, as soon as they dropped the gloves, we were like, oh. Like, it was fun the first time. The Delorier fight was awesome. Oh, yeah, it was sick. But then, like, when it happened against Columbus, it was like, oh, this is just every time his first shift. And that was when he even said he asked Olivier for that fight. So it's not always the other player going up and asking him. But it's like, like, I want to see Rempe fight Reeves on Saturday because that, like, Reeves has been the Matt Rempe of the NHL. This is Doug Glatt versus Ross the Boss. Yes. I need need to see that. But after that, I'm kind of good. Like, if it happens organically, I think the Reeves one is going to be pre-planned on Saturday, and that's fine. Like, I think they're going to go at center ice, and it's going to be awesome. After that, I kind of need Rempe to chill. First on, like, the first and foremost, health. Like, he's going to get his head beat in. He doesn't really know how to defend himself yet. So, like, you're seeing Olivier and Delorier's really, like, toss him around, and it's like, all right. Like, this guy's going to get seriously hurt. And just, like, I don't think it's great for the team if his first shift he fights everybody. Yeah. Like, I, and I don't know how much of a spark plug that actually is. Also, his his big frame, like, him being as large of a human being as he is can be as much of a curse as it is a blessing <laughs> in some of these fights because, yes, it gives him crazy reach. It may allow him to, to, to you know, get hold of guys that other people might not be able to, but... Some of his, some of him being this large is also like you he's got left longer. Exposed. You got you got he's left exposed. He's got longer legs to work with if you want to trip him. Like when he got the jersey pulled over his head yeah. by Delorier, and then he got his legs taken out from under him. Like yes, that would have happened to anybody, but like that's a big man. And the other thing, the other big. thing you have to remember is I, uh, you know, I I have more experience looking, you know, evaluating big athletes in like basketball and baseball. The bigger they are oftentimes the more fragile they are. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can't tell you the amount of, you know, pro athletes I can think of that are, you know, large human beings who end up having the body of a chandelier. Like, think about Rob Gronkowski. Think about how much he got hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that, granted, that's football with, I think, a little more constant hitting than hockey. Like, hockey has a lot of hitting, but football, it's like you can't go a play without getting hit. But, like, again, I don't want to be a... a he's a target now, so, like, he's going to get hit. Right, so it's like I don't want to be a... I don't want to be a, a negative Nancy because I actually have fun. I think it's. I think it's. it's I think it's really of course cool. It's fun. It's fun. It's just. I. I really. Two guys beating the hell well, out of each also, other. It's so much. Fun. I just hope we don't abuse this. He's no better. He's better than I thought he was. Oh, like I, he looked really I, good the other. Well, night. well that's, that was going to be my next question. If this guy's not going to fight every night, what is he out there for? I actually, I actually don't think he has. He hasn't been that bad. Like he had. The highest game score of anyone in that two one Flyers win. He would. That was no, his game. That the, was his no game. No negative. He did. He did also. Whatsoever. He did also get credited with a deflection goal in that right. game, and then it wasn't credited with him, mm-hmm. and then it was credited with him again. I like. 
So what's weird is like because we went to Hartford and we watched them play, and to my eyes, I thought Edstrom looked like the better of the two, and then Edstrom was the first call up. I still think Edstrom is six seven, Rempe six eight and a half. I think Edstrom's the more talented hockey player of the two. They're both big. Edstrom's a better skater. I think he's got better hands, and I do think Edstrom's better defensively. But what's interesting is that, for me, it feels like Rempe's having a bigger impact on these games, and maybe it's the fight, and maybe it's the hits, but more often than not, I feel like I'm seeing Rempe having a bigger impact than Edstrom, which is interesting. I do wonder how long either of them stay on this roster. I don't really think either of them are going to be think, I don't think you can afford having both of those guys. You could have maybe one of them. You know, They're not going to play more than five, six, seven minutes a game of ice time. Um, especially if Rempe's spending yeah. five minutes a game in the box, you know? And they're going to trade for someone. So, like, one of them, I think, is going to be out for sure. And I think they might trade for multiple guys where it's like, yeah, I don't know how long this rempe Linsanity thing is going to last. So I, my is like, just enjoy it while it's here. Because Ranger fans are going to complain down the line when it's like, things would be different if we had Rempe up. And his physicality is awesome. I don't know if his game's necessarily there to get, like, come postseason time. Right. But I will say he's better than I thought he was. Yeah, and look, he's been a lot of fun. So uh, even if it is short-lived, it will have been, uh, won't have been in vain. It will have been a, a good time. And, and maybe it'd be better off for him if it was short-lived. Uh, that much is clear. So that's, that's going to wrap up our discussion about the locals and pretty much everything going around as, as far as current events in the National Hockey League, the, the news segment of the show has completed, if if you will. And um, we're going to move on to a game that still does not have a name. We're going to be fantasy drafting. And, uh, Jack, you weren't here when I explained it, but we're going to go position by position, fantasy draft style. We're going to start goalie. We're going to move to each two defensemen, then wingers, then a center. And we're each going to pick a team. But first, we have to sell out, sell, decide who gets the first pick. And actually, you know what? I can do... If you'd like, whoever gets the first pick could choose what position we start with. If there's one I love, player I love you that. really want to get. I mean, I there's, do. I, we could also, if we want, we could also say no one gets Gretzky. That's that's fine. I, I actually do. Playing. No one gets Gretzky. I love it. I didn't play in Gretzky into anything, so we're good. Because I feel like whoever gets Gretzky kind of wins. That hurt, I'm down, that doesn't I'm hurt down my with that. at all. So I'm going to randomly select one of these names. Um you can't see it because it's a podcast and you're listening to it, but I'll let you know who who's going first. And it it is me. Wow, I am going first. That's crazy. I called rigging. I mean, some kind. you I you guys can't see it, but I definitely, <laughs> it does say James on the screen. It I does. Know. I definitely did win, I can, I can guys. Test. Did it give an order? Like who's going second? Um, it did not give an order for you who's going second. I'll just do it again because then we can I'll remove we my can kind of like rotate. And we'll, we'll snake it. Through. Okay. So I'm I at the first selection, and. This is Jack. This you get is the so rigged. You right. get the second this one. So I'll start. I'll start in goal, okay. and I will get the greatest goaltender of all time, Martin Brodeur. Um, Six hundred ninety-one wins. That's an all-time record. Most shutouts. Most playoff wins. Most most games played. I mean, he's he's the goat, and he will be my goat, and he will be my goaltender. So you can you can put that one in pen. That's Marty good. Brodeur. That's a good pick. First pick. Starting between the pipes for Team Jack Warner, I am taking Jonathan Quick. Um, mm, nice. Greatest American-born goalie of all time, in my opinion. He's three away from tying the all-time wins record for an American-born goalie. Right now, Ryan Miller has 391 wins. Uh, Quickie's at 388, which who knows if we see four more Quickie wins this season. I that it's kind of I feel like with the playoffs on the cusp, it depends. I feel like 
the Rangers will solidify a spot here. I mean, they no, well, not solidify a spot, but my point being is they'll be able to take their foot off the gas at a certain point, probably earlier than most teams, so you could see more Jonathan Quick starts um, now that Igor's playing at the Igor we know and love. Um, but no, most you know, approaching the winningest American goalie of all time, uh, the most shutouts for an American goalie of all time, and um, just kind of a badass story this year being brought in as a clear um, you know, a 38-year-old who's coming off a rough season and a clear backup to one of the best young goalies in, in the NHL and mm-hmm. has had the year that he has had, I think, has just been so badass of him, and I, I love him. couple cups, too. couple Three. cups. How did I not Cup. even mention Three that? Three of them. Oh, because he was Vegas. There. Vegas. That's right. So you guys are putting me face-to-face with one of the greatest hockey dilemmas of all time, which you is Waller Hasek, right? Uh, you could go Swedish as well. And- I could. I could, Ooh. but I kind I kind of wanted to make a statement, which was this would have been my pick if I had the number one overall. Elvis Merce Lincoln's. I I was gonna make an Elvis Merce Lincoln joke. God damn you! <laughs> That's crazy. That's so awful. I hate you, man. I'm sorry. That's the worst. Tim, I was gonna Tim, do Elvis Merce. Tim Thomas. Uh, oh, Tim Thomas is an actual legend. No, man. I know. I'm like, just kidding. You took all the starch out. I love. Tim I'm Thomas. gonna go. Dominic Hasek for me is one of the. I I think he's the number one goalie of all time. Look at that. I mean, Ooh. six Vesnas. He's Jesus. so good. Yeah, that's he. Crazy. He had some crazy, crazy, crazy seasons. I think he led the league in save percentage like eight different times. A couple years of the nine thirties. So athletic, so quick. Like I know Wa really like set the tone for like the modern goalie and modernized the the butterfly and all that stuff and he's a legend and he's one of the best of all time but Hasek had a run of dominance that is I think kind of unparalleled Marty's really good Quick's really good we're all getting good goalies that's the best thing but I'll go Hasek all right so we each have a goaltender yes we do Jack you get to pick the next player first then Lou then I go third and you can also pick which position we go to next Mm. Uh, whew. let's uh, let's go. Let's 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 start with center. I think that they'll, <sighs> they'll get fun. We'll get we'll we'll get we'll have fun with that. Alrighty, um, alrighty. It would be blasphemy. I, I only allowed myself one from from this team because I didn't want to you know come off like a like a biased jackass. Uh, Patrice Bergeron at center. Cool. Um, and part of it is just it's honestly Boston Boston bias aside. Um, just having that, you know, the greatest two-way forward in, or yeah, the greatest two-way forward, arguably in the history of the sport. Um, you know, I, I, I can't help but pick mm-hmm. uh, Patrice Bergeron to be my, to be my center. It was not an easy decision, but I felt <laughs> like if I have to pick, I feel like if I have to pick my token Bruin, that's a good token Bruin to pick, and that's a good hill to die on. There you go, Bergy. I'm gonna go Mario Lemieux. Damn. 199 points in a season that he didn't Jesus win Christ. the Hart Trophy, mm-hmm. which insane. is crazy. Also put up 85 goals. Dude's a legend. Really fun to play with in Chell. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do grind with him. In I Chell. do. I yeah. I really do like him. I love your Bergeron pick. Um, but looking at my list, Sidney Crosby's a crybaby, so I couldn't go there. Obviously, <laughs> so I had to go Mario. All right, and because Sidney Crosby is a crybaby, I'm gonna go with Connor McDavid. At a oh yeah, and oh, yeah. Um, I think I think it's criminal that Sidney Crosby doesn't get picked for this spot. Honestly, just looking back on it, but it's tough. I I hate him with every fiber in my being, so Same I can't pick brother. him. And I do think Connor McDavid can do things on the ice that no other player in NHL history, including the great one himself, Wayne Gretzky, who has openly admitted um, 
can do. I, I don't think there's a single player in NHL history who is as talented as Connor McDavid. Um, and while, you know, he's not going to put up the career numbers that Mario Lemieux did because Mario Lemieux was ahead of his time, same way that Wayne Gretzky was, but I'm, I'm very confident in my pick for Connor McDavid at center. So, Lou, you have the next choice. You can pick left wing, right wing, left defenseman, or right defenseman. Just to uh, catch all of us up to speed, I have Marty Brodeur as my goaltender. Connor McDavid as my center. Jack Warner has Johnny Quick in goal. Patrice Bergeron as his center. And then, Lou, I think you're off to a fantastic start as well. Dominic Hasek and Mario Lemieux for you. So you can go ahead with your next pick. Well, I'll go right wing, and I wanted to make a statement. It's a weird <sighs> statement as a Rangers fan. I don't, think, I don't think it's anyone – I don't think it's something you guys expected, but at right wing, I'm going to take Mike Bossy. Really? One of the most underrated, I think, NHL players of all time. Listen, he gets a lot of love. Only played 10 years because of injuries. Scored 50 goals in all but one of them, and the one he didn't was his last year because the injuries just got to be too much. You can only imagine what he would have been able to do if his body stayed healthy. One of the elite goal scorers of all time. I think another guy that was completely ahead of his time. Put over, put up a thousand points in again, just ten seasons. So what would he have been able to do with a a longer career? We'll never know. But Mike Bossy is going to be my right wing. Pick goes to me. Yes, yes sir, it does. So there's a couple of names I'm wrestling with here, and you know, I guess it's players play on the left and right wings. I feel like you can merge wingers. You can, right? you we can kind of merge wingers, but because this one player waits on the left side of the ice to take his one-timers. I'm going <laughs> to say he's a left winger, and I'm going to go with my other choice who could play left wing, right wing, any position on the ice because he's just that talented, and he's played for about every team in the National Hockey League. I'm going to go with Yaramir Yager. Oh, that's a good pick. And I, I love this pick not only because is he perhaps the second or third greatest forward to ever lace up the skates in the National Hockey League, but he's the ultimate vibes guy, and with... You know, the personality of the Connor McDavid, I need a vibes guy. Need a vibes guy. So I'm I'm going with Yogs for my for That's my a really good that's a really good pick and I'm a little upset because I was kinda hoping I could get both mm-hmm. of them. But didn't well, Jack Warner. Remind me one more time. I know you said we could pick and choose like either for forwards, but like are we on right wing or left wing? Would right, wing. right wing. Well, right wing? Yeah. All right. Um right wing all right, here's the thing. I all right, so you hmm. Because I, I came here prepared to have some of my players stolen, which is now making for a, a, a tougher conversation mm. here. I'm going to go where for right wing. I'm going to go Timu Solani. Oh, such a good pick. So uh, good. Sneaky on my list. Just so the most badass rookie campaign yes. that I think has ever oh been done God, in so any cool. sport. Yes. Uh, 76 goals as a rookie, three-time scoring title. Just one of the most ins- – three scoring titles. Uh, one of the, just the most insane um, – just volume, you know, high volume scores we've ever seen. Good career longevity. That's just that's the guy I want on a right wing. That's a good pick. Yeah, that is a pretty pretty stellar pick. Uh, to um get back to speed, back it back up, up to speed. Excuse me. I have Marty Brodeur, Connor McDavid, Yarmir Yager. Lou has got Dominic Hasek, Mario Lemieux, Mike Bossy, Jack Warner has got Johnny Quick, Patrice Bergeron, and now Timu Solani. The pick goes back to me. I'm going to go left defenseman, and I'm going to go with another one of my own faithful from the New Jersey Devils. Give me Scott Stevens. Ooh. 
we're going to have some physicality on our blue line, unlike the current New Jersey Devils, which is uh, which is exciting. So, Scotty Stevens, welcome to the club. Jack, it is your pick. So I wanted to have kind of a fun pick somewhere in here where it was just like really like, whoa, why? what's what's the reason behind that one? Give me Chris Pronger. Oh, oh that's such a good pick. That's a fantastic for, on my for, list. So um, give me that, and for a few reasons. One, just just the, the, the play himself. Man's the Hall of Famer. And I'll never forget seeing that highlight of him scoring a penalty shot um, in the Stanley Cup where even the announcers were like, why are they putting in a de- uh, defensive <laughs> player for a penalty shot? And he goes and scores. Um, and, then on t- and then on top of that, have you seen more of just like a, a, a smug, like, jerk that – but but <laughs> jerk that you can't help but just be just like, like – you're cool with it. You're okay with it. He's, like you're, he's that guy. He could disrespect you, and you'd be like, "Oh right. yeah, Chris cool. Chris Pronger cool, was man. mean to me." <laughs> so well, the, my favorite is uh, someone at like they're asking him some question about somebody talking smack, and he's like, he says when he sees you, and he's like, "Where's that going to be in the minors?" It's <laughs> one of my favorite things ever. But yes, Chris Pronger. I, this is probably not the best defenseman available, but I don't really care. I always traded for this guy in Chell. I think he's really fun to play with. Really fun to watch. Huge, huge guy. Is it Daniel Chara? Is it Daniel Chara? Yes. I want him on my decor. That's just an absolute monster, absolute freak. Great at hockey. Good Bruins legend, Jack. Yeah. Great Bruins legend. Yeah. Pretty, pretty solid Bruin. You ever seen the pictures of him running the Boston Marathon? I haven't. It's awesome. It's just this just mammoth dude, drenched in sweat. I want a big guy. I wanted, I wanted a big guy on my blue line, and I got one. All right, well, Warner. Warner. You can go right defenseman. Or left wing to wrap us up for your final uh, position selection. I'll go left wing. Left wing. And this one is probably the most current player that I'll pick because I just really project this guy to eventually have his numbers in the rafters. Give me Artemi Panarin at the left wing. That's a good pick. Um, Just has impressed me so much this year, has been somebody who I – defended even last year when like people I feel like going into this season I think it's even more poetic I've talked about this before that's even more poetic with uh, Panarin having the season he's having this year because I feel like it be- it came as kind of a shock after he left like a dud in the playoffs last year um, so hopefully he can kind of break the playoff disappearance uh, allegations this season which I'm confident he will but yeah give me give me Artemi Panarin on the left wing. Lou, is this where I take Rick Nash? Hmm. <laughs> what? Uh, I actually can't I say that on air. Well, I'll say no, you bit. probably can't. Um, I was gonna say James Burley has a name for Rick Nash. This is he true. does. This is pretty tough for me because I feel like if I threw my team out there, I think I need a, a better defensive presence. But all my guys are offensive guys. Um. Ooh, you know what? Can we be a little lenient with the left wing, right wing? Sure. Yes. I'll take Patrick Kane and put him on the of left. Of course, there you I go. Mean, he's a uh, that's, that's really okay. good, really good playmaker. I think he'll set up. <clears throat> I think he'll set up Mario and Bossy pretty well. And he's on a heater right now, mm-hmm. so he's on the forefront of my mind. And I hit on a Patrick Kane anytime goal scorer bet yesterday. There so, you go. There you go. Uh, he's in my good graces. Happy twenty first birthday. Um, I will. Uh, I'm going to go with a player I teased moments ago for my left wing, and I'm going to take Alexander Ovechkin, mm-hmm. who is. You know, didn't have the season he thought he'd have, but is still, you know, inching towards that all-time goals record and snatching it away from, from Wayne Glensky. So I do think Alex Ovechkin will uh, accompany my forward uh, line next to uh, Connor McDavid there and Yarmir Yager pretty nicely. So, Lou, right defenseman. You have the first choice. Ooh. Bring us home, kiddo. All my defensemen 
our left shot D, which is a little tough. Uh, we can be lenient with I'm the left and a, right D I'm as well. Uh, this is this is all for fun. Am I am I a bad guy if I take Bobby Orr? No, the greatest defenseman not, of all time. No, not, not a bad guy. I actually respect that. I actually respect that. I feel like I don't have to say that much. This is really good at hockey. I feel like I have a, I have a couple Bruins on my team. That's not good. How's that not good? I don't like it. Do I? Do I have the no next, Rangers? Yes, on you do. Do I have it's the crazy. next election? Yes. So, because it's the final name, I'm going to name some names that I'm not going to pick before I say my final pick. Scott Niedermeyer needs to get a shout out. One of the smoothest skating defensemen of all time. Devil's legend. Uh, Chris Chelios, if I really wanted to get a right shot guy, probably would have been my choice. I am going to go for a lefty. Um, I'm going to say Brian Leach out loud. He's yeah, I, I mean, thought about it. He, he, I'm sure I know you thought about it. You're you're a Ranger guy. He's a Ranger legend. But ultimately. I look at my blue line, and maybe I'm just romanticizing something, but I'm going to put Nicholas Lidstrom. You have got to be kidding me. I was leaving that for Jack, to be honest with you, because I'm a great guy. I'm so Um, sorry. I know we we talked about Detroit before, but if if I can get – I think he's the greatest defenseman who's ever lived through our lifetime. Seven-time Norris Trophy winner, Conn Smythe winner, four Stanley Cups, and I think think he's the best – Look, and I was going to say shout-out to Kale McCarr as well because he does things mm. that no other defenseman has done, and he's right-handed. But an, a, a line, a blue line of Scott Stevens and Nicholas Lidstrom for me is impenetrable. And uh, I, 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 that's, I'm going to pencil Lidstrom into my team. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Um, you know, Mer- I hope, Merrick Zidlick is still out there. I, I, hope, mm-hmm. I hope while completely empty so there's no one inside and no one gets hurt, I hope the Prudential Center just collapses. Well, you know, man, it, it almost it, it almost will at this point because yeah, they don't they don't play with any heart in there. This this <laughs> team this team with this, Stevens that team and would, play with, would play with a lot of heart. Wrap us up, okay? Well, I guess I'll do another kind of current pick, mm. um, and I'm gonna go Kale McCarr. I think I think he's going to be. I believe he will go down as the greatest defenseman of of our generation. I love that. Team. Um, and I, you know. I, I think I can just kind of leave it at that. Pronger, Pronger, and Makar. I like that defense a That's lot. That's a pretty sexy decor. <laughs> I so thought, I thought about Larry Robinson. Larry I thought Robinson. about Dennis Potvin, but I thought Potvin. that would you be can't do that. you can't do that. You can't do that. Ranger fan. You bleed blue, man. Who I sucks? Can't. Who sucks? He does suck. Potvin. <laughs> uh, I also thought about Nicholas Cronwall. Just because. That's a good one. Just because Get of Cronwall. Just just because of the ability to Cronwall someone. Oh, so <laughs> um, but I already have Stevens, so I went for Lidstrom instead. So. Let's wrap things up. I have Marty Brodor, Scott Stevens, Nick Lidstrom on the blue line, uh, Karna McDavid, Alex Ovechkin, Yarmir Yager uh, as my forward line. Lou's got Dominic Hasek in between the pipes. You've got Zidane Char on Bobby Orr on D. That's just, I love that. That's as, insane. Like, Bruins, I love that like, so much. Then you've got Mike Bossy, Mario Lemieux, and Patty Kane in the forwards. Warner, Quickie is in goal. Johnny Quick. You've got Chris Pronger, Kale McCarr on D, Artemi Panarin, Patrice Bergeron, and Timu Solani making things go up front. You know, Jack's team might be the least talented, but they've got a lot of heart, and I think they would do very well. That's I, I like. I think team. I think I think you have the most fun team for you have, sure. You had a lot. Of, you had a lot of fun. Team, I try, man. Which is uh, we have fun here. It's all that matters. I would love to see Lou your your team go up against my team. I let's think play, you know what? Let's play. We Chelsea can put back. it. Pull we up, can put this to, in chill. Come up to six five two East when they hit nine five two, and we'll play. This is the Chelsea. second time we've third. heard. Oh, third. this is the third. Did it I've done it a few times. No, I meant I meant really today. Funny. Oh, today yeah, it already I, happened. Oh, Jesus. My, I did my mic my mic check. I docked. That's so funny. Well, well, I mean that that that's a great way to end it with Lou and Jack's address. So that's where we're gonna leave this episode of five on three. Uh, such a fun one. We talked all locals. We 
looked at uh, ahead at the trade deadline and the playoffs in the Metropolitan Division. And yeah, we have some three pretty sexy fantasy drafted uh, all-time teams. So I want to give a quick shout out to Alexandra Diaz for stepping in and being our producer today for Lou Orlando and Jack Warner, who joined us ever so late, but it was better late than never, of <laughs> course, when you're in studio. I've been James Burley. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, five on three is a production of WFUV Sports.